Name brand music productions in this motherfucker. There you go, there you go. There you go. Huh. We all about to find a thing. All about them designer things. I don't need no money, I got mouthpiece, my nigga. Talk shit, swallow spit for a living, man. The swing man, I can get it to the pivot, man. Knee deep in the struggle, player, I'm with it, man. I do whatever it takes to get it, man. Talk shit, swallow spit for a living, man. The swing man, I can get it to the pivot, man. Knee deep in the struggle, player, I'm with it, man. I do whatever it takes to get it, man. I'm hot. Praises to the Most High. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Turn right, be easy. And we got a special guest in the building I'm very excited about. Cousin Jay is here to talk, spend some time with us, and um, school us on a little bit of football. But right now, we're going to do some shout-outs. So we'll start with that. Um, starting out with Joe Musgrove and the San Diego Padres with their first no-hitter in team history. That happened back on the 9th of April. That's how long it's been since we did a show. So congratulations and shout-outs to Joe Musgrove, El Cajon native, making that happen for the Padres. And then, of course, we had Carlos Rodon for the for the White Sox, who pitched a no-hitter the other day. It's the 20th in their team history. So first for the Padres, 20th for the White Sox. And the Padres in a weekend series with the Dodgers, who have the most no-hitters in Major League history with 23. So, I mean, that's not surprising either. We were just talking off mic a second ago about the fact that the Padres are just getting their first no-hitter. is very Padre-like. Most definitely being the history of San Diego sports. All right, let's keep the shout-outs going. I want to give a shout-out to Dijanae Carrington um, of the Baylor Lady Bears, who just got drafted by Connecticut. Uh, thank you for representing the 619 to the fullest. I wish you the best in the WNBA, and I know you're going to do great things. Any other shout out? Oh, I also want to do a shout out to Jamal Murray, man. Uh, tough injury, man. We wish you the best. We wish you a speedy recovery. Keep your head up. Don't let that injury get you down, brother. Any other shout outs, Jay? Uh, no. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, just to reiterate what you said, you know, Jamal Murray obviously was an essential uh, piece to uh, the Denver Nuggets' success last season. Uh, it's going to be very difficult for them to overcome his absence. Uh, this postseason, so you definitely want to wish that young man well. Uh, he's one of the uh, young, dynamic uh, players in the league, and uh, you know I can't wait to see him back out there on the floor. I think more importantly, just a good guy too. Yes, yeah. You know, just a, a, a quality human being. So you always feel bad when something like that happens to anybody, but especially certain guys, you tend to root for a little bit more than others. No offense to anybody else out there, but Jamal seems to be a special guy. Anything else? Any other shout-outs, B? No, that's it, man. Let's get into this football. All right. That's what we got Jay here for, so let's get at it. All right. All right. We just really wanted to get, you know, your take on a lot of the moves. Um, we'll start with one of the more recent ones. Two, um, Jadavian Clowney, what do you think about that, him going to the Browns? Uh, Jadavian Clowney, well, you know, obviously, you know, he's coming off of recent surgery and stuff, um, you know, so, you know, obviously his health would be somewhat of a concern, but I believe, you know, if he's, if he's able to be, you know, at least, you know, 80, 85% of what he was before his injury, you know, playing alongside a, a guy like Miles Garrett, I mean, you're talking about, you know, one of the possible, you know, best dominant dynamic duels on the defensive line in the game. The Cleveland Browns already had a, you know, stout defense, and now, you you know, you drop a guy like Jadavion Clowney in there, and stuff. I mean, you're talking about somebody that can dominate uh, uh, most any one-on-one -on -one matchup, and I still believe, even you know, uh, post-injury, I still believe that he is going to be one of those guys that'll be able to do so. Okay. The other guy I wanted you to comment on, and B and I have talked about on previous um, podcasts, was JJ um, Watt. What do you think about him going to the Cardinals? Now, JJ Watt going to the Cardinals, you're talking about a defense that was already top ten last season. Uh, obviously, they missed the playoffs, fell a little short. Uh, losing Chandler Jones was a big part of that, but they're going to be getting him back soon. And then, uh, you know, just you know, just like the last situation we just discussed, you drop JJ Watt in there with a guy like uh, Chandler Jones on the other side of the football. I mean, you're talking about you're talking about guys that can like take over a game on the defense side of the ball. Now, is JJ Watt what he used to be a couple of years ago? You know, four or five years ago, you know, probably not. But he, uh, just like JJ Watt and Colony, I think is somebody that can dominate his one-on-one -on -one matchup more often than not. 
And anytime you have that uh, on a defensive line, especially somebody that can switch positions the way he does, he can play inside at the tackle position, he can play on the edge at the end position, he's stout against the run and against the pass. So I believe that's going to make uh, uh, the Arizona Cardinals uh, uh, a significant, a viable contender in that division in the NFC West. Okay, now that we're talking about the NFC West, let's talk a little bit more about the NFC West because where do you think, because of the additions that they've made, especially D-Hop last year on the off offensive side of the ball, we got J.J. Watt, we got Buda Baker. Mm -hmm. They got, you know, they got a star-studded roster there. Mm -hmm. How do they stack up against the rest of the teams in the NFC West? And they have their quarterback. They have and they Kyler, Kyler Murray. Murray. You no, know, not leaving Kyler Murray out at all. Well, I mean, you know, uh, you know, for the for the most part, you know, that's been one of the most competitive divisions, if not the most competitive in football. You know, in football for a while. Now, San Francisco obviously fell off, you know, and that, but that was mostly due to injury last year. Uh, anytime you lose your starting quarterback, key guys on both sides of the ball, defense, offense, and stuff, it's gonna, you know, it's gonna cause you to struggle. But uh, I believe they're a legit contender in that division. Uh, Seattle is not what they used to be um, uh, in terms of, you know, they don't have the weaponry and they're not able to protect Russell Wilson the way they've been able to in the past. Uh, but uh, obviously the Rams adding Matthew Stafford, who is, a, uh, to me, a, a better fit for McVay's offense, which is a, a you know, bootleg-style offense. You know, you want to get a guy out there with athletic ability who can throw on the move and stuff. Uh, Jared Goff was a, a quarterback who, who struggled doing that. Um, but uh, I believe the Cardinals uh, can contend in that division. Um, uh, I, I think Seattle, like I said, they've regressed. Uh, you still need to know what the quarterback position is going to be uh, in San Francisco. Um, you know whether or not they're going to, uh, you know, uh, you know, go with the kid Mac Jones, which is something we, you know, we'll probably talk about later on here in this uh, uh, segment. But um, uh, uh, San Francisco is definitely uh, uh, a team that is, uh, you know, still. Being that you know they they have a lot of veterans, they just went to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. So if they can get guys back healthy, uh, I think they can uh, continue to be a contender as well. All right. So you're you're saying so Jimmy G, you think it may be going out the door? Well, I think they're they're going to keep him around, and at least uh, that gives them the option to have a young quarterback play behind him, whether it's you know for you know whole season, whether it's, you know, for half a season, however they see fit. Uh, I still think, you know, he's a quality starter. Uh, obviously, San Francisco doesn't feel comfortable with him um, uh, because of his health. Uh, and uh, I think he's somebody that you can plug in there, you know, and if you're able to find that diamond in the rough, you know, um, and, uh, uh, at the quarterback position, somebody that can sit behind that guy for a while, um, I think uh, that's probably the direction that San Francisco is going to go. And because um, quarterback is a position, obviously, the most important in this league, especially now it's a passing league. So it sounds like from what you're saying, tell me if you think I'm wrong uh, by going this in this direction. It sounds like you're saying that the two teams that have the more the more stable circumstance is the Rams and the Cardinals. Yes, yes. Okay. And Seattle and, and San Francisco are the teams that are in flux. Yes. Okay, let's use that the the whole um, San Francisco thing as a transition to what New England is doing on the other side of the country. Mm -hmm. Tell me what you think about the way that New England has approached free agency this year. Oh well, you know, I mean, you know, obviously the Patriots have never been a team that's going out and spending in free agency. Exactly. You know, go through the draft. Uh, Bill Belichick, you know, is is you know has always been that guy that you know he's going to draft his guys and develop them, and, and they've had a, a lot of success doing so. Now, uh, you know, let's not forget that the Patriots did have uh, about 12 guys that did opt out last year. The majority of those guys uh, uh, were starters on defense. Okay. Obviously, New England's defense was, you know, in disarray last year. They finished about the middle of the league, but nevertheless, they didn't have those playmakers to make those plays that you need, especially down the stretch of uh, football games. So uh, I, I believe that Bill Belichick's thought process is, you know, you know, we get those those key guys back. We add a couple, you know, a couple weapons in uh, free agency, and we're right, you know, we're right back where we need to be in the mix of things. Um, Cam Newton, uh, I don't know if you guys remember this though, but you know, he 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 vouched for Cam Newton in the sense that he said, hey, you know, the cupboard was bare. Obviously, Tom Brady uh, uh, validated that, you know, walking out the door and going to Tampa Bay, but there was no weapons on offense. Yeah. Uh, he did not blame Cam Newton for the ineptitude and the uh, the lack of success they had on offense because there was. There's just no weapons for the guy to work with. You know, you add, you know, two of the best tight ends in the league. You know, Hunter Henry and the kid's name from Tennessee, I believe the name is uh, Smith, Jonah. 
Janu Smith. Janu Smith. Mm -hmm. You know, so you know, you know, now they're talking about going back to the days of you know the Aaron Hernandez ground type days and stuff, where you got two dynamic tight ends that can either you know play play with their hand on the ground or be in the two point stands and split out and be a, a defensive nightmare in the matchup. So. Uh, Bill Belichick's thought process is we get our key guys back, add some weapons for Cam Newton to work with on the offensive side of the ball, and we're right back where we need to be. And I, 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 I believe it. I never, I've learned not to doubt Bill Belichick and his thought process and, and, and his approach to things. Well, I think that definitely um, stacks up to be one of the more interesting stories in the NFL this year oh, yeah. to see what, what New England does or doesn't do. Especially with the, with the ascension of the Bills and the Dolphins. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, because right now going into it with a lot of things being kind of like unknown, you would have to believe that the Dolphins and the Bills are the two best teams. Oh, yes. Yes. In that in that in that division. Yes, yes, yes. And, and, and I mean, you know, you know, know, what I just discussed, just discussed, still remains to be seen. Obviously, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, the thought process is benefit of the doubt. You know, you're talking about, you know, a man who's considered arguably the greatest uh, coach of all time. But this is the other thing that goes into it too. You know, you don't become, you know, greatness. You know, doesn't happen without being, you know, competitive. He's just as much as a competitor as Tom Brady was. Absolutely. Um, and I think, you know, uh, you know, he, he might not say it, he might not show it, but he feels the sting of seeing Tom walk away and win a championship with another team. Um, we just, we talked human, about that. It's just human nature. And immediately, too. Yes. Not, yes. not gradually, immediately. Well, it's the same as, uh, you know, uh, uh, when Shaq left and went to uh, uh, Miami. Uh, Miami. I, it wasn't the first year, but I, what was it, the second year? Second there? year. Second year there, they got it done, him and Dwayne Wade. So... You know, um, these guys are competitors, and they don't become who they are without having that type of competitive spirit, that 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 body of work and stuff. So he 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 wants to win now, and that's why he's going all in. He wants to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to get my guys back that opted out because of COVID last year. I'm going to go ahead and add these weapons on the offensive side of the ball and a couple other key areas of the uh, of the roster, and we're going to make this run and make this thing work. But uh, you know, just as much as uh, you know, Turn was saying here, you know, you still have to uh, look at what the Bills and the, and the Dolphins are doing, especially what the Bills did last year. Uh, uh, Kyle Allen, uh, uh, the uh, quarterback from uh, uh, Buffalo, um, you know, I... Uh, Josh uh, Allen. Josh Allen, there we go. Uh, excuse me. That kid right there, he, yeah, he really proved that, he, you know, he's a gamer. Uh, he, 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 he can do it both uh, with his feet and, you know, with his arm. He's big body. He kind of rem reminds me uh, of a more more athletic, mobile-style Big Ben. He's got the big frame and stuff, but he's more of an athlete than Big Ben was. Yeah. You know, big Ben obviously could big, move and could, was yeah. mobile, and he was yeah. a big body, and it's very hard to bring him down, but this kid can actually get out and Yeah, run. can make plays yeah. with his feet. Yes. Yeah. so, um, yeah. Uh, if they uh, get a running game, that team would be dangerous. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it seems to me that that would be their focus. And, and I mean, we, we spent a lot of time on this segment. And, man, you really made some great points. I really wish we had time to, to more time, yeah. you, know, f you know, for this particular thing. Because we, we, we brought up some interesting things that could be, that could be expanded on. But we're going to keep it moving. Before we move on to the next sport, Jay, give me your top five draft picks for the NFL. All right. Well, you know, I kind of think it's going to go like this. Obviously, Trey Lawrence is going number one. Uh, to the Jaguars, mm -hmm. that's you know that's just going to be the obvious thing. I, oh yeah, you know if you're uh, especially if you're a coach like Urban Meyer who's, who's moving on to the next level, you're not going to go there with question marks at the quarterback position. You know you're going to pick the best talent who you, you know uh, we're talking about. He's well the consensus best. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, I mean you know obviously had a successful career in college. Uh, he's going number one. Uh, Zach Wilson, um, you know he's definitely a, a kid with a lot of upside. I think the Jets they. Let it be known they're in love with that kid. Um, I believe that he will, uh, uh, you know, he will go to the Jets. Uh, the Lord help him. Uh, the Jets have shown the most ineptitude as far as front office is concerned. I mean, if you're somebody that's looking to go and end your career before it gets started, go <laughs> to the New York Jets because their ownership and the way they've handled everything. Uh, uh, it, it, the, I mean, the way players come in there, uh, there's no never any. Uh, type of stability. No. No one can ever develop because it's a new coach, it's a new coordinator's always changing. New GM, new everything. Uh, 49ers seem to be set on Mac Jones. They've gone and visited him twice uh, uh, during this offseason. Uh, uh, you know, the word on the street is Kyle Shanahan really likes his, uh, you know, his ability to read defenses. They like the way he's 
uh, uh, able to move through his progressions. That seems to be the word on him, that, you know, uh, well, you know, you're able to do that a lot when you have, you know, probably one of the best albums and lives in college and, 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 and one of the, <laughs> well, yeah, the Heisman Trenor, Trophy winner at receiver and you got a lot of good weapons around. It's really easy to do that kind of stuff, but, um, you, know, we'll, you know, we'll see how that works out in San Francisco. You may call this a cynical view. But I kind of view the things that he likes about that quarterback are the things that are missing in Garoppolo. Oh, He's yeah. saying these are the things that Garoppolo can't do. I need a guy who can do these things because these are the things that we need from our quarterback. And if you can do these things well, we'll get to the next level. We got the other pieces in place to get there. So he's holding us back. Really, really, like I said, you know, a, a moment ago, having Jay here and being able to talk about these things because he could really – get deep on on schemes mm -hmm. you know what what with shanahan yeah. schemes and how mac fits and all those kind of things but obviously we're not going to go there today but we're going to have jay definitely come back yeah, you know we're going to we talk really more need, about this yeah we oh, need yeah. to we really need to explore it because a lot of these things are things we touched on before but just touched on them and we had said at the time one of these days we're going to get jay in here and we're going to really talk oh, yeah. about this oh, yeah, yeah 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 i'm you know uh uh obviously football you know favorite sport of mine and stuff so you know anytime you want to talk you know football and stuff you know i mean and nba too you know me oh yeah um uh you know just uh, uh moving forward number four i believe i believe uh you know you know going back to what we were talking about with the new england patriots i think bill belichick is gonna is gonna find some way to move up to number four and i think he's gonna take justin fields why is he gonna take justin fields mm -hmm. because he already has a similar type of quarterback that's with him right now okay and that is uh uh that is the type of guy that he can learn uh, under Cam Newton, who plays the same style of quarterback, mm -hmm. you know, athletic guy, a guy who you can call to run the ball between the tackles. I mean, this kid, Justin Fields, is a big boy. He's about to a 230 pounds, about 6'3", something like that. Yeah, and can uh, run damn near a 4'3". Yeah, exactly. So, you know, he's a guy that has a similar style as, as Cam Newton. Very much and, so. And I'm thinking Bill Belichick's thought process is, you know, I can bring him in here. He can play behind Cam. You can kind of learn, uh, uh, you know, obviously how to play, you know, the quarterback position at the professional level, but that same style, you know, that Cam Newton has played throughout his career and stuff. Uh, and I, I think it's just, you know, I think it's going to be a shocking move. I think he's going to move up and take him. Best quarterback in the draft, in my opinion. Wow. Uh, you probably would not get too I many think people he, I, agree I think he has that. the biggest upside of any quarterback in the draft. That's probably that's probably a, a safer statement. But yeah. the best, yeah. uh, I don't think anybody would hardly all he has to any so-called expert would, would agree with. That. All he has to do is go to the right situation, and I think well, he'll have the biggest impact. Well, essentially, a lot of quarterbacks, especially you know when it comes to moving to the NFL, if you go to the right situation. It doesn't matter who you are. Yeah, That's a, a big of, factor. A lot of times you're going to be successful. I mean, you get. I mean, you get a lot of these quarterbacks that come out and they end up going to you know you know teams. Like I said, like a, a guy I looked at. You know, you know, I don't want to uh, take up too much time, but one of the guys I looked at back in the day was uh, Jason Campbell. All right, Jason Campbell, quarterback at Auburn. Out of Auburn, yeah. Came coming out of Auburn now. You know, solid quarterback, good size, good arm strength. You know, good decision maker. Going to the Redskins is the worst thing that could happen to that young man. Another place where careers I go mean, to die. He had, he had, at least five, six uh, different offensive coordinators in like his first like four seasons. I mean, they're firing, you know, they're firing the play caller halfway through the season almost every year. There, there's no way you can succeed, especially in an NFL style offense. I mean, there's so much, there's so many uh, uh, nuances that you have to learn in any scheme at the NFL level. And then as this guy, they have to turn around and flip the script each and every time. You know, I think if he could have went to a stable situation, he could have had some, some, some level of success. Am I saying he's going to be all-time great? No, but I think he could have been more successful. All right, and last, I think Kyle Pitts is going to go to the Bengals. When you're looking, for, when you're looking at a young quarterback like uh, 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 Brandon Burrow, you know, a lot of people say Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. A lot of people would think that, you know, uh, you know, you probably want to go offensive line in the first round, but I still believe that you can find a good quality offensive lineman in the later rounds. You want to get this guy a tight end. Well, you know, this guy can play tight end. I think he can play receiver, too. I mean, like, this is another freakish athlete we're talking about. Kind of reminds me of Waller a little bit you know, mm -hmm. um, for the Raiders. Mm -hmm. Dynamic guy that can do so many things for you offensively. And that is the type of weapon you want to give a young quarterback. You know, you give you know you give him a guy like that that he can trust and throw the football to. Uh, uh, I think that's going to be a, a, a really huge uh, 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 thing for uh, uh, Burrow as he moves forward. You got to give somebody you know uh, uh, you know they got to have that uh, guy that they trust in in, in, in tight end position. You know, 
that security blanket go-to guy. Yeah, and also, too, this is the other thing, too, speaking on the Bengals and their receiver situation. They really don't do it. In your mind, do they have a true number one? Um, Green. He's gone. He's gone. Oh, he's gone. He's gone. Okay. He's gone. Yes. Um, no, they don't. And you know, it, 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 which is one of the reasons I think they're going to probably take this guy is because a lot of people understand. You know, tight end is the closest receiver to the quarterback. It's the easiest throws to make. You know, when you're talking about passing the football down the field next to the running back. Running yeah. Back is usually in the flats. You know, in the backfield. But when you're talking about throwing the football down the field, the easiest target is the tight end. You got a guy right here that's going to be more often than not a matchup nightmare for whoever is covering him so i think that's something that the uh, Bengals are going to get you want to get something like that immediately if you can and then you can go find your alignment somewhere mm-hmm. you know in the later rounds i think you can find your guy out there you know that can contribute to the offensive line all right let's move on to hoops all right let's all right do it. um as we move into hoops i want to give a shout out to lamarcus aldridge bro oh Oh yeah. Um, definitely get that heart um issue taken care of, man. We're definitely rooting for your health because health is wealth. We just want you to be good off the court. On the court, man, I just want to congratulate congratulate you on a fantastic fifteen year career. And um I'm you know, my heart aches a little bit for you that you couldn't get that ring on the way out. because uh, I think Brooklyn is gonna get it done. Um but ring or not, brother. Champion career, can't be mad. Can't be mad. All right, basketball. Did you guys? I know I did. B, did you watch Philly and the Clippers yesterday? Yeah, I caught a piece of it. Jay, did you, or were you busy? No, no. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to lay any eyes on that yesterday. Okay, let me speak on that a little bit, um, just to see what you guys say. The um, I was really impressed with Philly. You know, I've been on the Philly bandwagon from the start of the season. He has. Um, I said I think that they they have the capabilities of winning. But anyway, winning it all. But, man, they played suffocating defense. Oh, yeah. They played suffocating defense. Which is what I said on the last show, that they'll just swallow you up defensively. They, I, I was like, Jesus. Now, of course, Kawhi wasn't there, okay? Kawhi wasn't there. But so what? It wouldn't have been any different. It would not have been any different. The Clippers actually played pretty decent. Paul George had a great game. He's really been balling lately. Paul George. Paul has. George's been acting a fool. Yeah, he's been balling lately. And uh, and Rondo was nice. He ran the offense really, really well. Yes, he Coach did. on the floor as always, just doing Rondo like things. Probably by any team next to James Harden, obviously going to the Nets. Of course, of course. Rondo going to the Clippers. Obviously, it's not as you know has the pizzazz. No, it's not a sexy move. No. But we all know what Basketball is, is a huge move. It was yeah. sexy to Clipper fans. Trust yeah. that. Oh, yeah. But, but I was uh, super impressed with Philly. I mean, super impressed. Joel, Joel Embiid looks focused. Um, and as long as he's focused, he has the potential to be... An all-time great. Yeah, I mean, definitely. He's one of the best in the league. The biggest difference with Philly this year is accountability. Yeah. It's just accountability. Absolutely. Well, you, you both know how, you know, I've always felt about Joel Embiid and his situation in the past uh, before the arrival of Doc Rivers because, you know, uh, Joel Embiid obviously um, at his best is the best big man in basketball. Oh, yeah. Uh, by far. Yeah. Um, uh, accountability is right. Uh, Doc Rivers is a guy that comes with a pedigree. Mm-hmm. He had a long NBA career, mm-hmm. a successful NBA career. Uh, and, and and obviously he's a championship-winning coach. And, you know, when you have that type of gentleman in the building walking around, there's a different type of presence, you know. Absolutely. Um, he has to respect that man and, and, and what it is that he's telling him in regards to the game, both on and off the court. And you can see that there is obviously a, a fire lit under Joel Embiid this year, and he is playing with a reckless abandon. Uh, I'm seeing him do things that I haven't seen him do ever in his career that we knew were there, but like stuff that I didn't think that he probably would even be able to do. No. The thing that I've I seen the Sixers is, and tell me what you think about this, Jay, I see a calm, focused intensity when I watch them play. Yes. Yeah. You know, that's those are the three words that come to mind. They're calm, they're focused, and they're intense. I believe that they have the right pieces too. 
because Tobias Harris makes an enormous difference. Mm -hmm. You know, adding Danny Green helps with that perimeter defense that you were talking about because now you have Danny Green and you have Ben Simmons out there on the perimeter. And Tobias Harris is a good post defender and perimeter defender. He's versatile. Absolutely. And then you got all these guys who can run, pick, and roll. You got guys who can pick and pop. You got guys who can score in the mid-range. And you got Embiid anchoring the paint for you. It's, it's going to be very, very difficult to beat that team. The only team that I believe has the personnel to be able to do it is the Nets. Because while they can swallow you up defensively, the Nets have three guys that nobody can defend. Exactly. I don't care who yeah. it is. Well, yeah, you have three guys that, uh, you know, obviously, you know, you have three guys that get the shot from anywhere on the floor anytime. They uh, want to. That, you know, that's a challenge for any uh, uh, team, uh, you know, defensively. Um, but, you know, uh, uh, you know, just going back to Philly real quick. I mean, you're talking about Doc Rivers, who is, you know, you, you know, one of the most, you know, defensive-oriented coaches there is. Uh, um, he, he, you know, he set the tone. You can totally tell in, in that persona. You're talking about the uh, Philly, you know, Philadelphia 76ers have this calm intensity. I mean, that's kind of that's Doc. That's kind of what Doc Rivers is. And, yeah. you know, and every great coach, you know, your team is going to take over your personality. Yes. You know, and and uh, you know that shows that he has the team. You know. That shows he has the team. The team was ready. The team was ready for somebody to come in and lead. Well, because I, they I, had I, been so leadership void for so long, and the players were suffering under that. That I think they were ready for somebody to come in and really like provide structure, stability, leadership, so that they could just go out and focus on playing. And Doc is great at putting guys in positions to do what they do. He doesn't ask you to do something that is not your strength. And that's not going to really allow you to shine. He puts all the people in the right positions. When he had Tobias Harris at the Clippers, I said, look at how Tobias is balling. It's because of how Doc uses him. Then he got traded to the Sixers, and it was like he wasn't he even was playing. Yeah, he was lost. Doc goes to the Sixers. Now Tobias looked like an all-star again. Absolutely. But it's not just Tobias. Look at how much better Embiid looks. Yeah. Look how much better well, Ben Simmons obvious. looks. Yeah. That is the obvious. The ascension of Joel Embiid from years past this season right here. I mean, we're talking about... Obviously, him being a, a, a candidate for you know most valuable player, you know he you know he has his recent injuries. Obviously, has you know uh, but uh, affected you know probably you know, more than likely affected you know he, you know his ability to win the award probably. But Joel Embiid is playing on an all time level though. I mean, maybe you know, not though because the other guys who were in the top of the running have also had injury problems. The, the only like guy James, who has like, is Yes, the only guy who has an issue. But he's not playing quite on their level, though. He's not on the James Harden, Joel Embiid level. No, no, no. Uh, uh, Or LeBron before the injury. Yeah, but he'll at least be third in MVP voting, I think. Yes. At the very least, he'll be third. I think he's fourth because I still think Dame has been better, too. I I would put Dame Dollar in front of Jokic. You got to go, team success would, I think, would be the thing that would give Jokic the nine. But aren't they just like one slot behind Denver? Isn't Denver? fourth and Portland fifth? No, Portland is sixth now, but they will be fifth because the Lakers are falling like a stone. So, I mean, I'm talking, now. you're talking one spot away. I don't think that that's a, 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 a disparage in team success to be like, oh. No, it isn't. I, I mean, and that's an argument in itself. That's an argument Think in about itself. it like this. Dame has had most of his horses hurt. Jokic has had his guys available until Murray just got hurt recently and they're one slot away. Yeah. So I can't put them in the same no, category. No, you can't. You can't. You can't sell short what Dame has achieved this year. He hasn't played that great recently, you know. And there's always that recency bias. But anyways, let's go go back to the to the Eastern Conference just for a second because the Knicks deserve some 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 recognition because they won the first time since 2014 five games in a row. In spite of the ownership. Yeah, in spite of the worst situation in basketball. That's another place where careers go to die. So so the the Knicks deserve some love or Tibbs deserve some love? Well, both. To me, they're, they're, it's one and the same. It's one and the same. Of course, Julius Randle, my God. Oh, yeah. He, he, oh, my God. He, he's, he, he is, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, uh, playing at an all-star level. Carrying that team. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was Like anybody say. else is. Like Dame or Jokic or anybody else. He's exactly. carrying that's, that team. That's been the biggest, that's been the biggest surprise uh, to me is seeing that uh, uh, he's been, you know, the force that's been, you know, he, uh, like you just mentioned, carrying the basketball team. Uh, Julius Randle, you know, coming out of Kentucky, a lot of people, 
you know, you know, had you know, he had the higher hopes for him in, you know, Los Angeles, things didn't work out there. Obviously they wanted to make the trade to, you know, to acquire uh, uh now, did he come over? Was that the no, that no. wasn't was part that, of that trade. He was he got let go. Oh, he oh he was released. That's, yeah. yeah, that's right. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was released. But uh, and I've uh, always been rooting for Julius Randle ever since exactly. then because I thought that the Lakers should have retained him. We, you know, first of all, his rookie season was derailed by injuries. Broke his leg like the first game, and, and it was just so awkwardly. It was yeah. like it's like he knocked his leg against another player. It it, it 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 just was the most unorthodox break I've ever seen in my life. And, you know, so, you know, he had a, uh, you know, he had a bit of bad luck, you know, starting his career. But, you know, you know, it's obviously good to see the young man is doing an excellent job for the Knicks. And like I said, I was surprised. I mean, he's legit, you know, the man that's carrying that team. And it's good to see that the Knicks are, you know, having some success. Because, I mean, you're talking about New York City. I mean, you know, you're talking about one of the meccas for basketball. You know, I mean, you're talking about a, uh, obviously a fan base that has been thirsting for some level of success. Uh, we can go into the whole situation with James Dolan. That's literally a whole show's worth. Oh, of yeah. You can yeah. speak about that owner. But, you know, nevertheless, uh, 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 James has obviously done an excellent job there, uh, 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 inspiring that, you know, you know, group of players. You know, he's one of those coaches that, you know, really uh, 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 look to bring the best out of players. He's, you know, he's a, a motivational type of coach. He's going to be some guy that's going to, you know, you know, push you to be the best that you can be. Uh, sometimes it can, you know, obviously wear on players, his style of coaching. Absolutely. But um, uh, it, it seems to have invig invigorated that roster and uh, uh, and that franchise, and it's good to see that they're having the level of success they are. This is the other thing. Go ahead, Dad. There's, there's some in interesting symmetry, I think, in the NBA right now in, in a year of flux. Uh, and, and this is what I'm talking about. If you look at the top three th teams in each conference, it's essentially the same scenario. Your top three teams are, are locked mm -hmm. in each conference. Yes. And then you got everything else is in flux. You know, um, if you look at, like, right now, Atlanta's number four, but I don't think they're going to be able to maintain it in the Eastern Conference. Brandon won't agree with that, but I don't think they're going to be able to maintain it because Boston is actually playing decent basketball. So it's going to be Atlanta and, and New York jockeying for fifth and sixth. I don't know what's going on with Miami. I don't understand Miami right now. And and Charlotte, you know, they lost the mellow, so you know, that but Miles Bridges has been clowning. And then you go in the Western Conference, you got Utah Phoenix and the Clippers. That's not what actually derailed um the uh the Hornets. What derailed Because when they lost LaMelo, they were still winning games. What killed them was the injury to Gordon Hayward. Okay. They haven't won since he's been in. Yeah. Well that was uh well, you know, essentially that's one of their you know, another one of their top players. He's their best player, really. You know, he's their best player. And he's the guy, he's the glue. Yeah. He's the guy that holds it all together. He is their best player. So, you know, Terry Rozier's played really well this year. Uh, LaMelo was balling out. Miles Bridges is coming into his own now because I think he's got a defined role for a change. Mm -hmm. Cody Zeller's solid. Biz is going to come in and give you energy, file everybody on the floor, but give, give you energy. Um, they've got... Lamelo was for Miles, you know. Lamelo, oh, yeah. Lamelo and Miles go together oh, like yeah. peanut butter and jelly. So oh, losing yeah. Lamelo hurt Miles Bridges. So now he's back to catching tip dunks and you know all that type of stuff. But he was legitimately a part of the offense when Lamelo was on the floor. Well, you know, uh, they instantly uh, uh, they instantly had a chemistry. Uh, the, the, the two of them coming in, you know, um, just seeing you know those guys just be able to come in and. Uh, they're open floor, up temple guys. Oh, yeah. Guys who are going to flourish in the open floor. Yeah. If it's the way that they wanted to, to play. play. Yeah, exactly. So that that was that was just you know a, a, a perfect fit. And then in the Western Conference, Denver, I feel bad for them because there's no way they'll they'll be able to sustain. I they weren't in think. the running anyway. I don't. Okay, well, that's you know there are people who would strongly disagree with that. But, they're they're okay. a good regular season team, but then the playoffs when they had to deal but with Phoenix, the Clippers. Not, okay, I'm, but that's the, not what I'm talking a about. A healthy right Laker now. team. I'm just talking about the way they would have been positioned going into the playoffs. Positioning going into the playoffs, most likely they would have to play the Lakers in the first round, and if the Lakers are healthy, that's yeah. not a good matchup for them. Yeah, healthy. Well, Denver would have been a four seed, probably. They would have been a four seed and I had think, home court in the first round. But if you know, depending on when LeBron and AD come back, they'll probably finish fifth. Depending on when they come back, they'll probably finish about fifth or sixth. Well, right now they're a game and a half out of six. 
Portland's not playing the greatest basketball right now, so that might help them a little bit. But this is the thing. Denver are going to drop a couple slots. Oh, yeah, they are. No, they will. That's guaranteed. Um, you know, I mean, we were talking about that earlier. You know, we were giving the shout-out to Jamal Murray. I mean, that guy right there, I mean, he uh, – obviously, Jokic is – you know, you know, you know, Joker's the Joker, but Jamal Murray, that dude's got some man. That that that, that guy right there, he's a dynamic point guard. Uh, you know, he's a great scorer. He can get real real hot. You know, he's a guy that can you know you know, you know give you about twenty twenty five in a quarter. You mess around, let him you know get you know, get loose. You know, mm-hmm. get, yeah, get into a rhythm. So, uh, I mean, you, you know, you take a guy away like that, you know, especially in this conference. I mean, that's a lot to ask. For, you know, for the rest of those guys to have to step up. I mean, it's just too. I think it's just too too tall in order for you know the role players on that team to fill that void and stuff. I mean they'll do the best they can, but uh, it, it's just too much to lose. I think they're going to drop at least two positions in the standings. Uh, so back to New York real quick, Dad. Talk about Julius Irving's or excuse me, Dr. J's comment about yeah. Brooklyn essentially <laughs> trying to buy a super team and what your opinion is about that. Yeah, it's it's this is the the part where I would say it history lesson. I'm always a guy talking about old stuff. But I was shocked. We talked about the fact that Doc said that the on a podcast, Doc Dr. J said that he felt like the Nets were purchasing a championship. And I just kind of laughed because I said, well, Doc must have forgot how he started in the NBA. You know, he came into a super team. Of course the dynamics were different. Dynamics were different back then because players weren't choosing where they went. The teams were making all those calls. And it was, you know, the ABA-NBA merger. Um, The Nets got screwed in the merger deal with the NBA. So they had to drop Doc in order to get into that New York market. Doc ended up becoming essentially a free agent. And um, Philly ended up with him. And then they added him to a team that had a bunch of guys already. Doug Collins, who was the first pick in the draft, was already on that team. World be free. Um, George McGinnis, who had been a 23 points a game scorer in his career, all-star, won championships in the ABA, all of that. They added him. Daryl Dawkins, a young Daryl Dawkins, was on that team. Did I mention World Be Free? And also, um, as a side note, um, Kobe's dad was on that team. Joe Bryant was on that team. So, And Gene Shue was the coach. And they went to the championship. In his first season in the NBA, Jay and I were talking about that they lost to the Trailblazers. And actually, one of the Lakers coaches was on that Trailblazers team. Lionel Hollins was on that Trailblazers team. Oh, wow. Lionel Hollins. Yeah. He was the the two guard on that team. So, really good. Lionel Hollins could play. Um, For us old enough to remember when Lionel Hollins was a player. But that was Bill Walton's uh, first championship in the NBA. Really the only one that he was like a major contributor to. Um, so Doc came into what we would call a super team, you know, back when it would be a team, you know, buying championships, if you want to call it that forever, you want to characterize it. But now it's the players making the decisions where they want to go. And it's an altogether different dynamic, you know, so I just wanted to put it into a little bit of historical perspective. Um, I was a, I was a young man going to those games back in the day because I was in college and I used to go on um, the Bullets when they were the Bullets, the Wizards were the Bullets, played in the Cap Center, which was right around the corner from where I went to school. Mm-hmm. College, I was at Prince George's Community College. You, know, you could ride a bike over there from, from the college. So I used to go to all the games. I had, you know, tons of disposable income and, and nothing but time. So I went to the games and I saw George Gervin and Bob McAdoo. Wow. And Elvin Hayes and all those guys in their heyday, Dr. J, every time they came to D.C., I saw them play. So I was witnessing history on the regular when Bob McAdoo was leading the league and scoring every year. And when the Bullets beat them, when they won their championship in 78, they beat, strangely enough, they beat the Spurs with George Gervin in the Eastern Conference Championship. They lost, they beat the Supersonics for the championship. The very next year, the Sonics came back and won the championship against the Bullets. Oh, that's, uh, that was the uh, Lenny Wilkins. Yep. That was the coach and uh, Dennis Johnson. Dennis coach. Johnson was on the Sonics. Yeah. Um, Gus Williams. Oh, yeah. That's Gus right. Williams, yeah. uh, Lonnie yeah. Shelton, them yeah. guys were um, downtown Freddie Brown. Now, that's the team that needs to come back. Uh, 
they didn't bring the Sonics back to Seattle. Um, yeah, that's it's a shame that Seattle doesn't have a team because it's a basketball hotbed. They have a WNBA team. They just don't have a men's team. And the yeah. WNBA team is very good. Matter of fact, they just won the finals last year. So, oh, yeah, so there's a lot of history. There's a lot of history. She signed back on for her 20th season. Way back way. to, of all people, Elgin Baylor played at Seattle University. Wow. Um, so Seattle got ballers. Yeah, Seattle is a hotbed for basketball. Um, so shout out to Seattle and basketball anyway. So that's a little history. So a lot of times, you know, cause this was 40 something years ago, we we're talking about 45 years ago, people forgot, but it, the theme in Philly used to be cause they lost that championship in, in, in 76, 77, they lost the championship. They lost the magic and the Lakers in 1980. And then they then finally, they finally won in 83 when Moses came yeah, Moses. and people forget the team that the um, 76ers beat to go to the championship against Portland was Houston. Houston was in the Eastern Conference back then. They were in the Central Division of the Eastern Conference. Wow. They beat Houston to go to the finals against Portland. I mean, all this stuff comes together. So it's crazy, but I remember all this stuff. The Spurs and the Rockets were in the Eastern Conference, if you can. Yeah, I remember hearing that. Yeah. If you can believe that. That's crazy, but that's the way it was back then. And it was some fantastic basketball. Like I said, can you imagine Dr. J, George Gervin, Elvin Hayes, Wes Unsell, and those guys with the bullets, um, Bob McAdoo coming into town giving you 35, 40 points every time he comes into yeah. town. Randy Smith was on that Buffalo team that became the Clippers. Yeah, they were the, the, Buffalo, yeah, the Buffalo Braves. They became the Clippers, so... All this stuff is tied together. It's just just really crazy. And man, I, that's when I became a true NBA head. NBA fan, uh, yeah, because you're watching all time greats oh, on yeah. the regular basis. And, and the game was so much more accessible back then. Yeah, affordable. You could get oh yeah. To see now, it's it's an event to go to an NBA. Oh yeah, it, you know it's it's major money. But I'm a college kid going to all these games. Wow, that must have been awesome. You know, and it was on. And I was telling B the other day. I said I was at Georgetown. Now, of course, Georgetown was coming into prominence right around that same time. Yeah, yeah. 1978, December of 78, I saw Georgetown's first game in the Cap Center. They had been playing, you know, because back then it was pre-Big East. Mm -hmm. And um, <clears throat> all these Big East teams, if you watch Requiem for the Big East. Yeah, that's one of the best 30 for 30. It is. It's awesome. Uh, if you're a college basketball fan, you watch have to see that. Requiem for the, for the Big East. Watch that because those schools were playing in little tiny gyms back then. Mm -hmm. You know, Georgetown played in McDonough, McDonough gym, Gymnasium, held about 3,000, 4,000 people. They went from that to the Cap Center that held 19,000 people. And they didn't start playing regularly there until 81, but I saw their first game there against Indiana in 1978. They beat Indiana. And that was a shout-out to John Duran and Craig Sheldon, the first two big recruits at Georgetown back in 1975, 76, somewhere in there. But anyway... Enough of that history, but that was major. So no, thank you for that because I know that there's a lot of people, you know, of all ages who can appreciate, you know, that history. Who are students of the game, lovers of the game, and it helps you understand how we got to where we are now. So yeah, that's, all that's the awesome. connections like Kobe's dad and all those other people I was talking about, Dr. J, who's become like the elder statement statesman of basketball now that you know. Oh, yeah. Now that Bill Russell's in his twilight, and you know guys like Elgin Baylor, who's from D.C., yeah, you know, was a 24-year-old rookie when he came into the league in '59. Oh, that's another shout out, obviously. Elgin uh, Baylor, yeah, guys, we uh, did, yeah. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, all-time, all-time Laker great. You know, uh, uh, still has the uh, finals record for most points in the game. Yeah. You know, well, uh, obviously Jordan has the playoff record for 63. But the finals record is Elgin. Elgin yeah, Baylor. 61, yeah. I think. You know, everybody would have thought it would have been, you know, of course, Mike Kobe or one of these guys that would have scored. Elgin you know, had a record for most points in the finals game. Elgin, Elgin did it, you know, and he did it, you know, obviously during the time. Uh, I don't think they had a three-point line around. No, oh, of course not. No, of course not. So he's doing it with no threes, you know. And, 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 and when you look at his playing style, he's he could be arguably be called the father of the modern he playing is. style. He is. Okay. There's no question about it. You know, if you... Speaking of Dr. J, Dr. J says, you know, he modeled his game 
after Elgin. Yeah, and when Mike came in, he said, I looked at Elgin Baylor and Dr. J. Dr. And yeah, I tried to take that to from, the next you level. Know, the guys who were my age, Dr. J was the guy. I remember Dr. J playing for the Virginia Squires, you know, before he went to the Nets. So it was another one of those money situations. Mm-hmm. Squires didn't have no money. They sold Dr. J to the Nets. George Gervin actually played with Dr. J back then. And the first time I saw Dr. J, it was like watching something from another planet <laughs> to me. It, it was it was unbelievable. I had never seen anybody play basketball like that, you know, in, in the professional. You know, of course, playground guys, but I never saw that to the pros. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, uh, he, 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 he made the dunk a showtime uh, thing, especially in game. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it, you know, in game dunk. Yeah, he 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 made it part of his repertoire. He dunked on everybody. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, you look at the highlights. Yeah. Bill Walton says it himself. He said, "I don't remember how many times he dunked on me in that." He dunked on everybody. He's coming to the rack, prepared to get dunked on. Who's the modern day equivalent of somebody bringing that greatness from the playground game to the NBA and making it extremely, extremely effective? Uh, Kyrie. Kyrie, exactly. Oh, Kyrie yeah. Irving is the modern day. Yeah, it's Kyrie. You know, the only difference is he's below the rim. Mm-hmm. Julius was above the rim. Yeah, Kyrie. Kyrie's the most skilled yeah. basketball player I've ever seen. What do you, what do you, what do you say, Jay? Well, you, you know, when I look at Kyrie Irving and stuff, uh, you know, you're uh, probably talking about the best finisher at the basket in terms of just, you know, the way he get, I mean, he's got so many different ways that he can finish at the rim, you know. Uh, you, you know, LeBron, you know, you look at LeBron, LeBron, people look at him as the best finisher, but he's coming downhill. Mm-hmm. You know, when he's coming downhill, then, yeah, you know, he's the best finisher. But Kyrie can finish with the finesse in so many different angles, and that's what makes him very difficult to stop when he's going to the basket, you know. I mean, when you, uh, you know, just throw it back real quick and you look at Mike, when he went to the basket, to be able to finish at so many different angles makes you hard to stop. You know, the one thing I always say when, when it comes to, you know, the Mike in comparison to everybody else, to me, he was the greatest finisher at the rim. What I mean by the finish, not necessarily dunking the basketball. When you talk about the million-dollar move and then the finish, Kyrie Irving is on that same level. Oh, yeah. You know, no question. The million-dollar move, and then you have, okay, all right, you got past the first defender, then you have the second and then the third. Mm-hmm. You know, it's only yep. it's only a handful of guys that have a move for that for second and third defender. Yep. You know, and he has it, and then the ability to finish at different angles on the glass. Kyrie Irving, I mean, his path, man, I mean. <laughs> uh, Best handles all time, Jay. I, 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 I'm, you know, Zeke was, you know, Zeke was nasty, man. Zeke was nasty, and he did it. And, you know, he had my boy Mike, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Kyrie Irving took it to the next level. Oh, yeah. Yes, Absolutely. yes, yes. Best I've ever seen. Hands down, best handle all time, in my opinion. You're talking to somebody been watching basketball 50 years plus. Right? Yeah. yeah. And I've never seen anything like yeah. it. Ky- Kyrie does something every game with the ball yeah. that you've never seen before. Every game. He'll do a move. You'll be like, man, I've never seen and nobody do that. And make it look easy. And oh, you, yeah. you know it's crazy when you're watching the analyst show after the game and they're watching the highlights and they're talking to each other like, have you ever seen anybody do that? And they're like, nope, I ain't, I ain't never seen that in my life. <laughs> the thing about it is, I mean, Kyrie has taken everything from, like when you look at, you know, all-time great ball handlers, I mean, he's the guy that seems to have everything from everybody those guys. I mean, he's got a little bit of pistol in him. You're just talking about Isaiah Thomas. He's got some of that in him, you know. I mean, I, I mean, the guy can, you know, can handle the ball. I mean, he's got that sham guy down. Oh, yes. well, well, we got to, yes. we would, if Kyrie was listening, he would be pissed if we don't say Rod Strickland. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's his godfather. Oh, yeah, Strickland. Strick oh, and, and, great and the, finish. And the style is, is just like him. Yeah. So when you when you hear that, you go, oh, yeah, that makes, that sense. makes sense. That's somebody yeah. who doesn't get discussed enough no. is uh, Rod no. Strickland. Uh, I mean, I mean, he was, yeah, he was definitely a guy who, who I mean, like, uh, you talk about people, you know, having that yo-yo on the string. Uh, Rod Strickland was one of those guys back in the Could day. finish. Could really finish. Just strong, solid. Interesting stat for point guards that shocked me yesterday. They showed this during the game. Who who do y'all think has the most games with at least ten assists and no turnovers in NBA history? And no turnovers as a point guard. As a point guard, and it ain't Stockton. No, Stockton was second. Chris oh, Magic Paul, had a lot of turnovers. Chris Paul's third now. Stockton oh, yeah. second. I mean, yeah, Who's ahead of those two guys? You'll never guess. Ten most ten assist games with no turnovers. You'll never guess. Muggsy Bogues. Wow. 
That doesn't surprise me. He's the all-time leader in that particular statistic. Doesn't surprise me. No. He's got 46 games of at least 10 assists, no, no turnovers. turnovers. Wow. Also Bogues. a former Charlotte Hornet. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about that the other day, B, about how great that, that franchise was from the beginning. Um, they led the season in ticket sales for 10 straight seasons yeah. as an expansion team. It was a very, very, very well-run organization. Oh, no, they, 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 you know, the yeah. Hornets, actually, you know, they, they definitely had a lot of, uh, you know, they drafted well, you know, and they had a lot of great players that uh, uh, came through there, you know, especially during the 90s and stuff. They got to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, they were probably one of the most well-marketed teams in NBA history. Yeah, too. Yeah, they really were. Their their marketing, whoever was the head of their marketing, I don't know where they are now, if they're still alive, but man, they could set up a seminar mm -hmm. on how to market mm -hmm. professional sports. By far one of the best marketing teams in the history of professional sports. So, yeah, definitely. It's it's a shame that it it ended up becoming some, you know, what it is. Well, it's it's making a comeback. It's starting to make a comeback, but yeah. I'm trying to remember the guy who was the owner of them in the beginning. His name was George something. Um, I can't think of his name now. But anyway, You mean before Bob Johnson had the team? Before Johnson had the okay. team. And actually, I think he owned them when they went to New Orleans. When the franchise moved to New Orleans, he was still the owner. I cannot think of his name. He died um, not you know a few years back. I can't think of his name. But that's something we got to remember for, for our upcoming uh, podcast because – Shout out to him because they did such a remarkable job with that franchise. Indeed, indeed. But this was a wonderful show. Jay, thank you so much for coming out hey. and shedding some of that knowledge with us and just having awesome. this great conversation with us. Awesome. Definitely hey, added hey, a lot uh, to the show. We definitely want to have you back. Oh, yeah, I'll definitely, you know, uh, 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 you know, I'll definitely come back. You know, I'll, I'll be definitely be happy to uh, come back and participate. You know, uh, this was definitely a good, good time, you know, discussing. Discussing, you know, all the uh, topics we discussed today, you know, uh, you know, everything from, you know, uh, the NBA to, you know, obviously the NFL and stuff. Uh, uh, obviously, Term was good, good enough to give us that history lesson, you know, uh, on the NBA and stuff. You know, we were able to learn a lot of things there and stuff. You know, some of, you know, some of the things that uh, uh, a lot of the young generation doesn't know. You know, everybody thinks that, you know, a lot of the things you see, you know, and it's just like with anything, you know, everybody thinks that everything just happened now. Yeah. You know, you know, people forget there was yesteryear. Yeah. You know, there's always yesteryear and stuff and everything evolves and stuff. And uh, and it's all tied together. Yeah, everything's tied together. But I enjoy myself here with you guys. You know, it's always good to, uh, uh, you know, come and grab sports with you guys. Yeah, big time blessing. One last shout out too, because we didn't get to do it last week. We didn't get do the show. Well, shout out to Uncle Doug. Yes. Happy, oh, yeah. happy uh, birthday. 73rd birthday, oh, man. Yeah. April 11th, last Sunday. Well, definitely. Uh, 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 always one of my childhood favorites. Uncle Doug definitely make you laugh. Yes. Oh, we got to have him on the show one of these That's days. <laughs> we got yeah, to. Yeah, if you're going to pull somebody in here, you got to uh, definitely pull Uncle Doug in here and, you know, get his insight on a lot of things and stuff. And just hear, you know, his wealth of knowledge and that just on sports, but life is well. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, the father of our of our our lead-in music. Yep. And Uncle Doug, this is the call, man. We need you on the show, brother. We need you on the show. And yes, um, the the theme song, um, whatever it takes. That artist Vakai, that's his son that you're listening to yeah, as well. That's so Uncle Doug's son. Everything that we do with this show is a family affair. From the music, I nice produced track. the music. Vakai nice rapped track. on it. You know, um, we have our family. Jay is our cousin. So he's been on the show. We have my, my younger brother, Buddy, on the show. Yeah. You know, Termite is my father. You know, so it's all a family affair. And that's one of the things that makes it so awesome. So I really appreciate the opportunity to come together in fellowship. You know what I'm saying? Discuss this, our love for sport. Out of here, I just want to do one more quick shout out as a happy birthday to Antione. Definitely. Uh, I shouted out Uncle Doug because we didn't get to do it on his actual birthday. Well, we wouldn't have been on his birthday. But anyway, because he was last Sunday, but... That's my heart. Um, my, my heart is heavy talking about this right now because she was like a second mom to me. And I spent, you know, so many summers of my life with her and Uncle Wes. And basically, Warren and Lisa are like brother and sister, little brother and sister to me. So special shout out and as much love as I can possibly muster for, for my mama's younger sister. Um, I own Fanny Hill. Happy birthday, Auntie Oni. I know you can hear us. 
uh, just to re reiterate what both of my cousins said, uh, Antione uh, obviously has a special place in all of our hearts. Uh, I, uh, I remember the last uh, conversation I had with Warren, uh, my cousin, who is uh, her son, uh, about how when Antione would see me, she'd be like, oh, look at that handsome man. He's such a handsome man. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure all of us as young men, heard men that. in the family heard Antione say that, and they should just, uh, I'm, I'm telling you, that used to make me feel good when she would say that. But uh, I definitely want to say happy birthday uh, uh, to my auntie. Uh, uh, I love you very much. Yeah, that's true, Jay. Um, something about Auntie on you, you know, she would talk to you in such a way to give you just tremendous confidence, you know, and just make you feel, you know, like you could just do anything, you know, and she always um, had the game for how to like conduct yourself with women, oh, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I don't think anybody has given me more game from a single source than Auntie Oni. Yeah. She was always the one, oh, don't be thinking about it like this, nephew. You got to be looking at it like this. Yeah, she would put you, you know, on the game. She would <laughs> give sure. you the game. You know, most of the game I got, I soaked up from Antione. Every time I saw her, she'd be like, so how many girlfriends you got? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah. you had to have multiple. Yeah, you couldn't just be with just one woman. Oh, you supposed to have three, four girlfriends. You, 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 you 18 yeah. years old. You're supposed yeah. to have three, four girlfriends. What are you doing just dating one girl? <laughs> what She used to say, it's a poor rat that ain't got but one hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Auntie, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Antione, she, 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 you know, she always, she always built us up as men and stuff, and you know, you know, shows you, you know, be proud of who you are, you know, what you are, and 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 uh, uh, she definitely did that for me, and I'm sure uh, 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 all of us here. You know, one last thing. Total person, uh, super smart. Yes. Super smart, brilliant woman, down to earth, loving and giving. She probably, uh, of anybody that I've ever known in my life, has done more for other people than anybody that I could think of. She was always in service mode. And you see that with Aunt Frida. Absolutely. And, and it's a family trait. It's a family trait. But she came by and honest, but she exemplified giving. Unconditional love would never hesitate to put you on blast. No. Nope. <laughs> would never hesitate to put you on blast, but would, would do it with, with ultimate love. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah, yeah. It was. It, it's always coming from a place of love and respect. It was never. It was never to demean. No. You. Or break you down. Exactly. No. You know, it was always to build you up. Edif exactly. Edification was always the objective. Exactly. Yeah. So no way we could say enough good things about her. As you see, we've gone on a little long, but peace and love always. She's the lady who exemplified it. Taught me most of the good things that I know. We come from an awesome family. Yes. You know, and she definitely is somebody who exemplifies all that. So much love. Happy birthday, Antione. You are one of the best. Happy birthday. Yes, happy birthday. All right, Sugar Free, as always, peace and love as we sign out. They call me the transporter. I'm good from three-point range. Call me Terry Porter. Switch. No talking, no tape recorder. Ain't worried about getting caught. I'm crossing the border. A hundred G's paid to retain a lawyer. I paid the fees and moved to La Jolla. A pit bull like a Georgetown Hoya. You the employee and I'm the employer. Talk shit, swallow spit for a living, man. The swing man, I can get it to the pivot, man. Knee deep in the struggle, player, I'm with it, man. I do whatever it takes to get it, man. In the name of show, show, I'ma smash the gas. Yeah. Smoking my juicy fruit in pursuit of cash. And I bring the house of pain like I was everlast. Ever since a young nigga labeled me an outcast. I'm going balls out, my back's against the wall. Big balls, about the size of a tennis ball. Big ball. Shit. I'll show you how to ball out. Hit the game like a nuclear fallout. If you win the distance, I'm the one you should call out. I'm on a mission, player. I never sold out. No, I took the other route. I went against the grain. Me and my nigga, man, we the ones to follow. We some girls, niggas. We going full throttle. Got a fifth in Hennessy and I'ma drink the whole bottle. Pocket full of money, player, feeling like I won the lotto. Got a bad bitch, call her America's top model. Talk shit, swallow spit for a living, man. The swing man, I can get it to the pivot, man. Knee deep in the struggle, player, I'm with it, man. I do whatever it takes to get it, man. I do whatever it takes. I do whatever it takes. I do whatever it takes. I do whatever it takes.
I do whatever it takes to get it, man. I told you, nigga, you know my persona. I'm a soldier, nigga, deputy for designer. Yelling, ain't no peace till the niggas get in peace. While I flip my middle finger to your honor. Smoking on the finest marijuana I can find. Up on the money gang, we throwing up dollar signs. We on the grind like each and every day, seven days a week. 24, 7, 365. The last time I checked. It was all about the money, power, and respect I'm certified solid, better check my rep You couldn't see through me if you was looking at my silhouette Blood in my eye like the great George Jackson We bout to take it, we ain't asking to say the least I put that on my brother's dead and deceased I'll be a rider till I rest in peace Talk shit, swallow spit for a living, man The swing man, I can get it to the pivot, man Knee deep in the struggle, player, I'm with it, man I do whatever it takes to get it, man. I do whatever it takes. I do whatever it takes. I do whatever it takes. I do whatever it takes to get it, man.